0: From Postmedia, I'm Ewan Plater and this is XY, a show about mental health in men. On today's episode, I'll be sitting down with Jack Norman of social initiative Milk for Tea. Along with his co-founder Daniel, Milk for Tea works with individuals and corporations to better understand what masculinity means in the modern age. We had a super interesting conversation this week and I certainly hope you enjoy it as much as I do. As always, today's conversation is not meant to be taken as advice, it is just a conversation between two men. If you are looking for some support, I've left the details of some great organisations in the show notes, including those of Time to Change, and I'd like to draw attention to their Ask Twice campaign. Sometimes we say we're fine when we're not. To really understand how our loved ones are doing, the campaign encourages us to ask twice. A simple, are you sure you're okay, can make all the difference. Anyway, that's enough out of me, let's go on with the show. So Jack, thanks so much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. It's feeling good? to be here. Yeah, good, good birthday week, so birthday week yeah which um are you happy to tell us
1: which big birthday it is yeah i'm not that old yet. (laughs) 28 28 yeah i feel like it's one of those where you're kind of getting to that age where you need to have everything sorted out and you know i'm still not there but i'm never getting through things fairly well i would say i'm a lot happier than i was this time last year so there you go then (laughs) yeah exactly
0: to be honest i think that's a massive you've You've, you've kind of jumped straight into it, haven't you, with that? With like, Sorry. That's such a, no, 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 it's a, it's a good point, to be honest, because that's like such a thing. Of like, I definitely have this, like, imposter syndrome is a thing, but I've got like life imposter syndrome yeah. where I look at other people that are 28, 29, and I'm like, fuck, they've got it all going on.
1: Yeah. Like, I should be an adult by now. Well, yeah, I suppose there's societal pressures that you're put under. Um, I mean, my parents got married when. You know, my dad was 24, I think. My grandparents got married when they were 18. So you, and you look yeah. at that, I haven't even got a girlfriend. So yeah. <laughs> and I'm 28. So uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing well. No. Um, but then you look at kind of the way that they navigate through life. I always speak to my um, grandparents about this and try and have these pressing conversations. But um, sometimes they're not that up for it. It's because like their mode of life and their happiness in life was, like that survival mode. So they were happy like they were happy if they had food on the table, yeah. a roof over their head. Yeah. And you know, they spent time with each other. Now because of the world that we live in and all these things that happen on Instagram and going on these fabulous holidays like LA. Yeah. Um that that isn't enough anymore. So it's more about actually okay, so what more can I have out of my life? What how what car can I buy? What what extras can I extra stick can I, on there? But then they're not extras anymore. That's yeah. the thing. So having your like bread and butter kind of, you know, things, they're not really, we don't even think about those anymore. You don't actually, th- when was the last time you thought about having a roof over your head and you're really lucky to have I don't a roof- even think about my Netflix subscription like, exactly. or my iPhone. Like, well, I, just I use staples. my dad's as well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even think about it. You know, you um, Netflix are sponsoring the show. Right? No, uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, can you, can you imagine <laughs> users? How many users can you get? Gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, I, I guess, um, for me, it's just, a, I'm at a really interesting point in my life because I'm growing a lot and um, I'm really finding out what the things that I want to prioritize and the things that fulfill me. Yeah. Um, probably even since the last time we spoke, there's been a lot of growth and a lot of change there and a lot, a lot of clarity, which I think, um, I think I'm a lot more mature yeah. now. Yeah. And also I think like, I've been reading quite a lot of books and it's actually like, if you don't find your inner happiness, yeah, then you then like you can't then you can't replicate that to someone else. Like we attribute a lot of our happiness to external factors, whereas yeah. actually, you can find it all within. Like you look at these people and you're like, you look really happy. What's the magic formula? And for me, like it's been, it's finding these things that are meditative, that fulfill me, that, um, you know, make me really happy. Like I'm reading this book at the moment that someone gave me and it's it's really insightful because it says one of the tricks to use, and it's actually a creative book. It's not even about like mental health or anything, but, um, it says about, um, like rating your day, um, like out of 10 and then Uh attributing like factors within your day to make like what, what 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 made you happy and what doesn't make you happy so I love being in the kitchen I was speaking to my mate about this last night I love being in the kitchen but I'd never want to make money from it because I love being in the kitchen and I don't yeah. want to lose that passion I hate sitting behind my desk at work but I have to do you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. it's how you um, navigate through those but it's also like I know that I need to sit at my desk at work And So I'm still Gonna have to accept that But yeah. Do I put aside An hour or an evening To cook Yeah There you go
0: Because that's something That you really enjoy doing
1: Yeah That was some intro
0: to the show Normally we just chat about How your week was And how your weekend's been But that, that got deep real quick
1: Yeah I mean someone called, someone called me niche The other day And so I'm trying to live up to that <laughs> I, was, I was saying to Someone at work Just as a joke Oh set me up with um, Sent me up with one of your mates No you're too niche Too niche <laughs> What does that mean i'm like in a quiet face you know what I'm two um... <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just a person how about that yeah um, I mean, you let them decide yeah my boss called me um serious as well okay. i don't think i'm serious at all but i think you've got a
0: serious presence to you until really? you start chatting and then you're like really smiley and but like i think to like watch you approach you look like a serious dude really you've got a john wick vibe about you Really? I mean he's an assassin so. But a nice guy Like he's got a dog And stuff as well He's like a nice guy so Anyway <laughs> yeah. Right, let me just is. pull this one Back a little bit Let's yeah. run, run back the track yeah. um, So obviously You and Daniel Founded um, An initiative Called Milk for Tea And I really want to get into What Milk for Tea is What it mm-hmm. does Your passions But just before we do that one of the most rewarding experiences that I had in the run up to creating this show, was mm. actually an event where you and Daniel were talking yep. and you spoke about your childhood and your upbringing mm. and kind of some, some big life moments that led you to enter into the industry, which you yeah, entered yeah. into. Mm. So I thought a great place f- for us to start would be if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and how you mm. ended up working in the mental health and specifically the male mental health sector. Yep.
1: Good question. Um, so grew up, um, literally obsessed with football. Um, I, that's all I ever thought about. So, um, as you do as a young boy in the UK, um, I aspired to be a professional footballer. Um, so I put a lot of work into that, got a couple of good breaks, um, achieved quite a lot of success, you know, was, was kind of on that journey. Um, then one day it was just taken away from me. Um, you know, uh, like those, these things happen. Um, it's a sport that, you know, you do get injured and, uh, but I also think I was at a point in my life as well and I don't really ever share this, but I was at a point in my life where I was actually, um, kind of saying to myself, do I want this? Like, do I really want this? Um, and if 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 i really like i mean i was 16 so i obviously didn't do any deep inner work i was just like what's next but if i actually looked at it and looked into it yeah like that 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 wasn't really what i wanted You just uh, felt
0: like you ended up on this
1: track i felt like i i loved football i loved playing football i still love playing football because there's there's a t- when you're out on that field you don't think about anything else like so whatever crap's going on in your life When I go and play football, yeah, I'm there. I'm in the moment. Like, it helped me really live in the present. Um, I have a similar relationship with running, actually, where, like, no matter what's going on,
0: if I just, like, hit the pavement for half an hour, it just clears the mind.
1: Yeah, it's great. Like, if you've got to find those meditative things, like, cooking does that for me. I'm actually starting, Dan's, like, pushing me to run. I hate running. Like, even when I was playing football and I was, like, the MVP, I wouldn't run. I'd be like, give me the ball. Right. I'll put it in the (laughs) eggs. Yeah, Yeah. basically. Basically. Um, Yeah, so. It was really interesting navigating through that because I think there was a lot of external pressures yeah. um, that made me want to be a footballer. Um, I actually spoke to my dad about it because he, he he was like, you were so much more talented than me. Yeah. Um, like you had the potential to make it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I said to him, are you, are you disappointed that I didn't make it? And he was like, look, like I know that 1% of all kids that aspire to be a professional footballer, maybe even less, make it. So I'm a bit more of a realist, but obviously I wanted to, I I knew that you had a talent and I wanted to help you or open the doors to achieve that. He drove me to every single match, didn't miss a match, like really supportive. Like I bought far too many football boots on his credit card, but that was fine. Like, you know, because you do it for your kids and you do it for... um, the people you love. But I think he also saw real talent in me. But if I I was actually having a dinner with a a girl that I was dating a while back and she was like, she'd been dating footballers and stuff. She's actually been on Love Island now. So yeah, kind of like in that crowd. And she said to me, I bet you really um, wish that you became a footballer. And I said, well, no, I was like studying law school at the time. I was like, no, not really. Why would you say that? Just cooked her a lovely meal as well. Yeah, you know, Um, and she was like, you know, because like loads of money, uh, like all this fame and all this stuff. And I was like, to be honest with you, like I'm really happy where I am now. Like I was aspiring to be a lawyer, so you know, I was really just happy. And that was was. the
0: move after football with girl?
1: Yeah, so after after football, we kind of had a a sit down meeting with my dad (laughs) as you do with the with the boss and we were like okay so what are we going to do so i took a fast track because i wasn't really like applying myself at college um because i thought i was going to be a professional footballer never studied for any exams or anything so we were kind of like okay so what are we going to do um (laughs) backup plans plans. so took an accelerate um business course managed to get into you need to study law um then that was kind of like the tunnel vision let's go be a lawyer um we're doing that now we're doing that now we're not a footballer we're a lawyer so yeah. quite quite big dreams <laughs> um yeah too like you're not pissing about
0: are you like i'm no. gonna be premiership league right okay was it was injury that yeah yeah you? so yeah. injured out of that game what else is like super high powered in the yeah. business lawyer i'm a lawyer now. <laughs> why not yeah, yeah
1: badass and like, you,
0: did, like, you went and got it like.
1: yeah well yeah like that was i mean that was kind of the goal to get there. Went went to uni, went to law school. Um, really eye opening experience. Really tough, actually. Um, law school was probably, I would say, to date one of the toughest toughest years of my life. Like, I've just I just moved to London, had no money because mm-hmm. I'd just been a student um, and was trying to find myself in the big smoke. Was working part time in a retail job, earning like four hundred quid a month. My dad was paying my rent. <laughs> and um i was trying to have a social life i was doing eight to eight every day at law school like there was a lot of stuff going on so and it uh, well there was two factors there first of all i loved studying the law i didn't like the practical side of it because it was like following a rule rule book basically um and the second it was i was just so overworked so tired like i remember i had probably 12 exams in seven days um uh, no in in like january yeah. yeah, so we booked like a two-week trip away to Thailand, and in that trip, I was kind of like, because I only had three modules to complete in the second term. Yeah, I was kind of like, I'm over this now. I'll do it and I'll get the, you know, get the masters or you know the, I'll
0: get the letters. Uh,
1: get the letters, basically. Go get have a graduation, but then I'm done. Um, so I was working in retail at the time and uh, just kind of fell into that. Really was loving like the suiting um used to wear three piece to law school love but like with trainers yeah and like ahead of your time yeah mate yeah (laughs) like but you you know there was a lot of things that if you look like i when we get to the end of the story like i'll say it but if you look at like the journey like i've picked up something from every everything that i've gone through um which i don't ever probably reflect enough back on um but yeah, so fell into this retail job did obviously applied myself and did really well there. Obviously wasn't turning up hungover every time, which I was when I was doing part time. (laughs) Um, And then um, kind of progressed through that and have been in and out of retail for the last five, six years. Um, I think my, my approach has really changed. I'm probably at a fairly senior level now and could have a pretty decent career in retail, but, it's one of those industries that I'd love to just flip on its head. I'm trying to do that in the role that I'm in at the moment, but um, just trying to, you know, like it's, it's really, it's a really challenging climate at the moment. Um, but people still don't care about people. They yeah. care about top line and bottom line. And for me, like that's where, and that's like one of the values that I'm trying to build within milk for tea. Like there'll be people, there'll be companies, organizations that come to us and say, can you do this? But we're on a really tight budget. If it doesn't fit within our costing parameters, I'm not going to turn you away because it doesn't fit within our costings. As long as we're not at a loss for it within our travel or whatever, I'm more than happy to stand and speak in front of 500 people, 20 people, five people to get across a message or have them get them thinking in in a different way because that's the benefit of the individual, yeah. not of me or yeah. not of my company. So, yeah, we're tr- um we're trying to do a bit of bit a bit within my current role but um obviously it's a huge organization like I'm trying to influence four and a half thousand people and you can't
0: change things like easily when there's no. that much
1: but it needs to be a culture change doesn't there so kind of um, from the top down yeah
0: I guess like something super interesting for me that is because you've gone on two big career journeys um yeah. and now you're like at this point in the story you're, you're in London You're like busting your ass Working massive days mm. Not really seeing the benefit of it As of yet And When did Milk for Tea mm. Become um, Like an idea what, what was in Why don't you tell us what Milk for Tea was And then tell us yeah. what that inception moment was Because that's quite a big mm. Like focus shift yeah, In yeah. terms of the two things before Were very like power driven careers And then you mm. Kind of pivot Into this amazing social enterprise So where yeah. did that come from?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think they like the story kind of goes hand in hand to what Milk for Tea is and how it came across. So, um, having fell into retail, um, I, w- I was asked to model at a fashion show because, um, like, that London Fashion Week scene or men's fashion week scene um, was something that I really was involved in and I yeah. loved, and I-, I thought that was really important. It's funny how things change now, but um, so. Um, I met Dan at a fashion show, like I met Dan at the fashion show that, um, I was modeling in. Co-founder uh, of Milk Routine, who sadly isn't with us today. Yeah. We can, we can have him here pretending in person. Yeah. You can I just did do an event, I did. I did one of the, uh, an, an event a couple of weeks ago and he was meant to be there, but he couldn't, um, he couldn't be there. And I was just like, just pretend he's here guys. Yeah. yeah. And oh, we, we used like a mannequin cause it was in a store. Just like pretend that's him. Um, this guy, this guy, but, um, yeah, so met him and we just had a really powerful conversation first off the bat. Like wasn't expecting it, wasn't didn't even know where it came from. Um he told me about his the struggles that he had. He really like broke down a lot of emotional walls yeah. in the first interaction. Um I'd I'd obviously gone through this kind of thing with oh, I didn't know what I wanted to be, or I always kind of looked at other people and wanted to replicate what they were rather than being myself as well. My dad went through a tough time. Um, So I kind of like saw this whole thing and was like, men need something. Yeah. Like, then it's obviously backed up by Statistics from the male suicide rates, sex trafficking, child abuse, domestic abuse, like LGBTQ plus, um, you know, physical and um, verbal abuse. Like, there's a lot of statistics that, and men are the main perpetrators in that. So we wanted we wanted to open up some sort of ch- channel, vehicle um, for men to help men feel more connected to create a community to for men to feel more empowered to open up and be vulnerable Uh, but we didn't know what we wanted to do so we were like sat there talking and we were like we want we want to do something we want to do something but we didn't know what so started off as a blog just shared our experiences wrote about like different things um then it kind of progressed in because we're obviously in the fashion scene into like fashion and mental health so it was like milk for tea fashion and mental health so that was kind of like the the brand image for a while still we weren't doing enough just sneezing there (laughs) yeah love it um so last year we decided that we wanted to fully incorporate as an organization um and really make a go of it we both were we've both been on a coaching course a really intense coaching course and it completely changed our lives and the way that we view things so we're like why not spread this word through workshops coaching and some consultancy work and we spent a lot of time um trying to build that um and and when you say you want a coaching course is that for you
0: guys to become life coaches yourselves yeah, yeah
1: but it's a really it's a really transformative experience because you there's like four prongs to it so you're obviously learning so you're learning a a strategy on how to um navigate through a coaching conversation you're then practicing that on the flip side of that you're being coached yeah and then you're observing so there's like four so when you come up it's like a three-day intense course and then you go away for six weeks and you um practice and then you come back for an assessment and it's just really interesting because you've got three days and like you hear a lot about people like you have conversations that you didn't realize that that person was even going to be capable of yeah, because they're being coached and that it's opening up. So we never offer advice. Um, we just ask a series of powerful questions um, and it really unlocks a lot of change Like and a lot of um, amazing conversation. And I think what we're, where we're at is that we, understand that a lot of men are hurting a lot of people are hurting but a lot of men are hurting and a lot of and then the people that are hurting usually it's because of the way a man's act acted or the way that a man feels about himself so we wanted to just allow that work to happen Mm -hmm. so you know there's many great initiatives including this podcast that talk a lot about what's going on and you know progressing that conversation we really found that felt that our calling was going in and actually doing the work and being really intentional about standing alongside men to really help them first heal but then build them up and grow Mm -hmm. and now we're in a space where it's not just um suicide that we focus on so if you're if you want to achieve a goal or you just want to be better like i always want to be better um externally people might be like you know He's smashing it or whatever, but there's always room for me to be better. So I'm on this development and growth journey. So I, I need milk for tea for that. Can I ask you a good question? Because yeah. something
0: that I find super fascinating about, I mean, maybe it's not a specifically male thing, but this idea of like hyper performance. Mm. And you hear about um, guys in the stock market or CEOs, or, or probably actually it's way more common, but we'll have these business coaches who are there to like actually push them to be better at work Mm. and more um, confident in their jobs and and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. But there's an element of that to me, which flies in the face of um, personal development Mm. because it's just like, no, like be better at your job, work harder, achieve more. How do you make sure that's not at the expense of personal development and Mm. self care? You know, like how do you balance up business achievement with, being content and happy as a human being and not allowing one to overwrite the other.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's we put a lot of pressure on ourselves for, for work. You know, you've just been through this whole process of like leaving your job. Yeah. You know, you've got a wife, you've got a home, you've got a dog that you need to feed. Like, so there is, there is pressures. Um, like I went through that same journey last year when I was working on milk for teeth for six months. So I think we look at, um actually in this book that i'm reading as well um i think there's there's different types of jobs or work that you can have yeah um what you find is if someone's getting a business coach in then they're not fulfilled by their job like that's that's what i observe um because they're getting someone to get them to that peak performance yeah when i'm Doing a workshop or doing coaching, even if I've had the crappest day or I am full of cold, or but I am still turning up. I am still yeah. there because it's what I love to do. And I, Dan and I, have always said that this is a life that we're building, not a job. Yeah, like it's not work. It's milk for It's how you it's, want yeah, to live. It's how I want to live. Like I'd love to be out in the field every single day, or you know, a couple of times a week, interacting. You know, that's why we love Jordan so much because it was like you that we we were living. Milk for tea. Like that was, and we created that experience ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I think to your question, like it's really difficult because work, having that work life balance or finding that work life balance is really, really challenging. Um, and we always want to do more. There's always another, well, we look at another paycheck or, yeah. you know, a bigger salary or a bigger car allowance. Like there's always something else that we aspire to, but that's always external rather than internal. So, like, at the moment um, in my job, like, I'm kind of, you know, doing doing the job well. Um, but it's now, like, I'm I'm searching for things where it's like, okay, so how can I grow from this place? Yeah. Like, what skills can I get? Like, it's a huge corporate environment. I'm going to need to influence big CEOs and bosses in other organizations. So how can I get in front of those people and, like, learn those what influences? What can I take away from this experience rather than what can I just put into yeah, this business? Exactly. So yeah. if you look at a lot of people in jobs it's more that they're in well there's an imbalance because they're inputting more than they're getting out okay that's what i think like and that's why people feel disenfranchised at work and stuff so how do you get people to connect with their business okay because that but that's when you switch things on so your retention will be better your kpis will be better you will have much better customer engagement but it's how do you how, how do you unlock that how do you get people to like connect with your business and for me like basically it's what we do at milk for Teas. like getting them to connect with themselves to start off with but then also giving them rewards that aren't financial or uniform it's making creating a community feel so they feel like they're part of something like they're coming to see their family not their colleagues yeah they're coming to learn rather than to work do you see I what I mean? I completely see
0: the difference, yeah. I think as well, because like, you, you're obviously dialed into that because you've mm. got this day job where you work in quite a corporate environment and then you and Dan also have this, it's more than a side hustle, but you've got yeah. this like initiative that's on the go as well. And the two are kind of running side by side. Mm. And as you say, they, they definitely help each other. But when you take Milk for Tea into um, a completely separate corporate environment, say some big bank wants to mm. work with you guys on whatever, mm. on an initiative for its employees in terms of... Um, engagement at work or mm. just having more conversations about mental health what are those responses like when you guys kind of rock up on day one you know what what's the what's
1: are you guys typically well received as kind of change makers or, or yeah. what's the experience I think it's really interesting because we haven't actually done any marketing <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so first of all for them to get us through the door or to have an initial meeting is perfect um, because we ha- we don't do we haven't done any marketing some of that is due to financial restraints. some of that is Due to, like, I think when you're in this line of work, some of it needs to come organically. Um, Then some of it is the resource. So we don't have enough people, or like, it's just two of us. We have, we um, subcontract some stuff out. We have some freelancers. We have some people doing us favors. So for us to even get through the door is an amazing achievement, I think. Um, Very word of mouth. Very word of mouth. And, you know, we have an extensive website. And um, I think people are kind of looking at us now, like, Okay, they're the people to go to. Like, uh, some I do actually ask now. Oh, what, so where do you find out about us? Because I I'd it's, so it's really, good to know where your customers are coming from. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, I mean, it depends on what environment it's in. Um, we've actually been working a lot more with educational centres, like universities and schools, recently. And obviously, that's great. Like, going through that whole university experience, I wish I'd had something. or oh, an yeah. external company that would come in. I think it's it's in in corporates is interesting um but i also think that that's because of the corporate minded approach so again we've done workshops in the organization organization that i'm working in and they just want to do one and it's like yeah. well, that's not going to do anything like it's great just like one one hour chat and then it's like great we've fixed our stuff exactly because you're ticking a box yeah. so for us now it's about having um or being a lot more f- firm with what we suggest because someone could come to us and go, Oh, we want you to deliver a workshop on masculinity. So my first question would be like, so you are reaching out to us. What, what would, what's your, what's your goal with this? Like, what do you want to achieve? And they'll say, okay, well, we want to show the men in our organization that we're doing something for them. We want to get them better connected. We want to get them to open up a little bit more. So you think that's going to happen in one workshop. Yeah. But then, you know, you can't, like now we're we've we are saying to organizations if you want to work with us um we would recommend that you have at least four yeah so you've got enough time to actually get conversations going
0: people can go away let it stew Mm. because i guess for a lot of people that in these organizations that you guys go into you raise the topic of toxic masculinity or you raise the topic of male suicide it's either the first time that a lot of these guys have spoken about it or even like had it discussed you know um Mm. Because I think that for me, one of my first experience that talk that I met you at mm. um, was the first time I'd, I'd kind of heard you guys speak and you opened it up to a and a and we were in like a really trendy part of town, you know, mm. like a room full of who I presumed are like designers, Create, well, creative, creatives, yeah. you know, photographers, like lots of skinny jeans going on, <laughs> lots of like yeah. acne tees, you <laughs> and know, the, like, and new balance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sunglasses on indoors, that yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. Pretty wanky. Yeah. But you guys raised these topics about masculinity and I think the 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 famous Gillette advert came up yeah. around um, teaching our children better, kind of, the best a man can get, kind of. Yeah. Out. Um, and there was such a negative reaction to it. And I remember people being, like, really visceral. Dudes in the room being re- really visceral, at you and Daniel, about how, like, well, why do I have to apologise if, like, another man behaves badly? And mm. everyone just took it so personally. And I was, like, really shocked that there was such, mm. like, umbrage in the room against the idea of men talking about their emotions more. Yeah. And I walked away from that experience being like, fuck, guys really have a problem. Like guys do not like to talk about this stuff. And from what I just saw, it feels quite accusatory. Like guys mm. feel like they're being attacked whenever that conversation comes up. Mm. And I just wondered if that's an experience that is mirrored in the professional environments no, that you guys go into. That was probably one of the only ever times that
1: that's happened. How fascinating. Well, because of the crowd that was there. Which really. you would ironically presume to be the... A little bit more progressive. But I think for, like you said, sometimes it's like they know what they're signing up to but sometimes it's a bit of a shock so you kind of need that follow-up and then another follow-up to kind of really ingrain it and embed yeah. it um and not everyone wants to talk you know like no,
0: some people listen people learn differently some people show up to these workshops and seminars mm. and they're genuinely engaged and they're getting lots out of it but they're just not going to be the person that puts their hand up and says oh yeah like here's my life story yeah. i'm that guy you know i'm i i love to talk i love the sound mm. of my voice. Logic and yeah. bloody podcast. Right? Yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> but not everyone is. <laughs> yeah. You know, like some people just like to soak it in. And I guess you're right that if companies are, are engaging in these um, workshops because they want to tick a box and say, mm. we have invested in mental health, that's not actual change. No, you know, that's not,
1: it's not fixing anything. And you're not instilling a culture change in the organization. Mm. There's not a lot of people or companies that are brave enough though. Um, like, cause we had, we, we put a lot of focus on corporates this mm. year. And we've done a fair amount of work, like very, really credible work, um, you know, generated some revenue from it. Fine. But we're here to make a change. Like we're not doing it for us. We're not doing it to get an OBE or to, you know, to yeah. be these guys. I mean, we would love to be on the front of uh, cover of GQ, but, you know, not, it's not for that reason. Um, we're doing it because we believe what we've built. And we believe that we can make a change and we believe that we can reduce suicide, um, the suicide figures. We believe that we can reduce the domestic abuse figures. We believe that we can, uh, you know, stop or partially stop a lot of things. Um, I
0: guess like that's that's more topical this week than any other week, Um, especially when it comes to suicide, with it being suicide prevention.
1: Yeah. yeah, And I think it's great that we have initiatives like that, but then that's. it gives, and this is not negative at all because any, any, any exposure to the statistics or like, I, I even read today that 8,000 people, 800,000 people commit suicide a year. Mm. Like that's mental. Um,
0: so but, the figures have gone up for the first time in a while and you know, like, it just surprises me in a lot of ways. Cause I feel mm. like as much as men don't talk that much, they're definitely talking more than they used to. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, where is that coming from? Like, how is it that guys are, I feel, moving forward in so many ways. But yeah. the stats aren't mirroring that. And that's not an answer I'm, I'm looking for. But as a mm. as a discussion, it's like a really tough one for me to balance up in my head.
1: Like, why are guys... They they did say that there'll be a slight spike this year because they've got a lot more accurate data. So that's one of the reasons. Okay. Um, I think the second reason is, is actually because... Well, once you get more exposure to it, gets you thinking more. Um, so people, yeah. if if you're more aware of it, then some people might act. I think that's another reason why we want to do the work is to prevent that. Yeah. Um, because it, it is getting a lot more topical. It's trendy to talk about mental health now. Um, that actually, like, there is a huge calling for the work that we do to then kind of progress that it's so an interesting it- perspective actually because yeah you're right there's like a
0: responsibility on anybody who's going to bring up mental health as a topic and place that center stage whether it's at a state level by the government or an organization or between friends mm. there's then a bit of a responsibility you're to like, what are you, what are support you doing the it? framework yeah. of that yeah because i've actually had that um that's a really good point i've never considered it um that way that conversation is a good thing inherently mm. but it needs to be it needs to be considered and well-framed and there needs to be aftercare and you need to think about why we're having these. Co- that's a really good point. And, you know, I've, I've been in um, workplaces before that have decided to take mental health more seriously. And I've seen emails go out that are like, if you're ever having a bad day, talk to someone about it. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, like I'm always mm. happy for a colleague to speak to me. And I think that's a great culture to have in terms mm. of mental health and speaking to your colleagues and, you know, like no stigma around mental health. But equally, not everything like if a colleague comes to me and says, I'm having really suicidal thoughts, I'm not trained to to yeah. know what to do with that. Like is the best thing for them for me to report it? Is it to speak to the police? Is it to phone mm. a hospital? Like what? Yeah. So it, you're completely correct. that Actually, the frameworks that we place around these conversations are as important as encouraging the
1: conversations themselves. Yeah, of course. Well, there's got to be that follow up. That's why I get frustrated in the corporate world because they use these huge initiatives like a helpline Yeah. or... You know, yeah, a helpline. And then like you've got to give people a variety of options. So in the organi- organization that I'm working in now or in any any time that we do consultancy work, I say that you need a qualified coach on site. Uh-huh. Simple as that. You need to offer a like at least a weekly meeting, workshop, uh, whatever session for people to go to. Like it needs to be consistent. So, you know, if you're having a really bad week, but your next session where you can share is next Wednesday, or you can get to a coach or a counselor by Monday, mm-hmm. then you know that you've only got three days to get there. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So um, again, in really individualist, it really individualistic approach, you need to give a mul- like a multitude of options. That's why we're trying to do loads of different things from curating events, because that's where may, that's where people may only feel like they can go or it's trendy to go to events our own workshops corporate workshops one-to-one coaching like loads of different spaces trying to do something with food trying to do a book club yeah you know trying to do a run club like because different cultural moments yeah you capture a different audience you're not going to have the same people at a workshop that you are going to have at a run club but the messaging is the same so you're reaching more people yeah um because people gravitate towards different things so i think for me like i'm so so passionate about facilitating and doing the work because i know what the benefit that it can have yeah. it's just getting out there getting organizations to be a lot more responsible and a lot more in- considered in their approach um so that's like the battle that we're facing because now we've built something that we're really proud of and you know that people are gravitating towards but it's like how do you then change the agenda of other people yeah or other organizations that are fifty thousand times bigger
0: than you yeah how, where do you even begin with that? And I think as well like it's, you mentioned um, like you've got an issue with like uh, hotlines or, or call lines kind of thing, people can like dial for support and definitely like those are so valuable if you need mm. help, there's so many great resources like yeah. Samaritans that you can like phone up and speak to someone there and then but that's very much like an after the fact kind of thing, like mm. damage is dead by that point, whereas I guess what's really interesting about what you are saying is like going into organisations but also creating so many societal touch points that can help prevent men getting to that point in the first place so that the emotions they feel and the battles that they face and the society that they come to loggerheads with in terms of what male images and stuff Mm. they can actually feel more comfortable discussing that internally and in
1: society so that it doesn't become such a brimming over issue Mm. in the first place i would say that we're kind of a transitional in a transitional era because it started, like, if you look at, like, my grandparents, my dad's super cool, so he's obviously very open to it, like, has he's into his crystals, sound healing, all this stuff, yeah. amazing. So he's open-minded, but even, like, in comparison to, like, uh, my friend's parents, like, it's still very different. So yeah. I, I would say that we're kind of driving that train forward, and I'm really excited for, like, my children and my grandchildren, their peers and their friends, because I, I feel like we're we're in a state of transition where we're unlocking the gates for this to be okay. And this to be in culture, like I would love to do a lot more stuff grassroots. Like I didn't have any support. I had a great upbringing, but I didn't have any support or any knowledge around all this stuff until I was 21, yeah, 22 until someone damn, my business partner said I wanted, I wanted to kill myself when oh, I tried to kill myself when I was 13. Then I was like, does that really happen? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Like
0: those kind of conversations, it's not through like a bad childhood, like you had a great upbringing. Mm. But yeah, you're right. I didn't have any kind of, I had just such a blessed childhood, you know, like mm. I didn't self-harm, no suicidal thoughts, not depressed as a kid. Mm. So when you said that, they're like, do kids actually hurt themselves? Like I just didn't think about that. Like, yeah. It wasn't a thing I thought children did,
1: mm. you know? Yeah, exactly. Your experience is your experience and, and it shapes your reality. Exactly. Exactly. So um, and you never know what people are going through um, because like it could be fine on the outside, but then their home life could be bad. You know, everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own shit going on. So um, for me, it's yeah, there's there's so many things that we want to do, like even like for kids, Mm -hmm. grassroots level, but then parents, you know, um, I'm just in conversations with a football club at the moment. Um, obviously being from a football background, like it's something that I'm really passionate about, but, but it's
0: also, an, it's an important frontier in terms of what male image is, a yep. sport
1: and especially football,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: A lot of these boys like me aspired to be a professional footballer. Um, but then they don't get any support throughout that process. So, you know, you're seven years old, you get signed to an academy, but then dropped to, at uh, 16 there's no guidance for the family because they're like, if you think about it, if, if you're working class background and your son has, or a daughter now, has the chance of getting paid 50 grand a week, you're like sick. Sick. Yeah, like, this is our life made. So there's no support from that dropout. There's no support through their careers. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, and obviously being in that, maybe times have changed a little bit, but there's no support in their career. So when they go through trauma, I know that they do it when it's injury, uh, there's like a bad injury, but, and then look off the back of it, look at like high profile players like, um, Paul Gascoigne, Gary speed, like they had a fair deal of mental health issues. Yeah. And there should be a responsibility from the organization or the industry that they were part of to help them through that. Uh huh. And if you don't get that, then you end up in a place like where Gary Speed was. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge industry. Also going through that and having those experiences and just seeing like the pressure that they're under, you know. From from a young age, like as you say, it's
0: like, yes, we've got these superstar footballers who there's been really visible cases over the years of like complete meltdowns and really bizarre behavior, like mm. biting people, for example, like happy people don't bite people. No. Like that's a very bizarre behavior. Mm. And yet come like game day, everyone's shouting his name. So how do you and equate yeah. those kind of two things? But on the other side, as you say, if you're a 16 year old kid and you get cut from the team, mm. how are parents supposed to like pick up those pieces? Cause kids are typically brought up to like, do your best, like yeah, try yeah. Your hardest, all that stuff. Mm. And then you're just sitting there with some football club saying, are they, you're not good enough. Hmm. What are parents supposed to do with that? Like-
1: yeah. And then there's, there's also an educational piece and a responsibility of the manager. And you know, like I always say to the team um, at work, like you're, you're, a lot of your experience at work is solely dictated by your manager. Yeah. So, and that's just the way it is because they're your manager, aren't they? So yeah. they make all the decisions in your department or in your store. And it's the same with a football team. I had managers that I really loved and I thrived under. I had managers that I didn't really get on with or resonate You know, if you shout at me, that's not the way to get through to me, but it might have been the way to get through my mate on my right. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a huge educational piece in that whole sector and probably in (laughs) every other sector. But again, resource, time. Energy, yeah, um it's a big task, and I hope that one day we'll be in a place where we're able to say that we're making a difference in there. Absolutely. Um, hopefully, we'll start with this, have, doing this talk at a football club, and then seeing how that progresses. But for me, like one huge learn is like not just saying I'm really happy with having done that. It's like going in. So, like if I'm, I'm even on the phone to this football club today, I'm like, this is these are the things that we can do. Yes, and I want to put that on your radar straight away not after I've done it or I'll come back to you in three months after I've delivered this workshop. I want to say to you that these are the opportunities that we have. I want you to go away and think about them and then let me know if you are interested in them because we can do them. We can do them now. We can do them now. So we can can look at your uh, under six academy and do some fun stuff with them. We can look at creating a supporting parent group. Mm -hmm. We can, you know, like all that stuff, not rocket science, but really, really people focused not organisational focused, yeah, yeah. and when you create those little things like as an individual as a parent if you resonate with that and you go to that you feel valued you feel educated you feel inspired but you also feel like you're not alone yes and like in an in that kind of industry why not and w- what does it take to set that up
0: uh-huh. not that. yeah
1: so that's where we're at <laughs> a Man, lot. that's
0: sick. lot's going on yeah I mean, I've got um, I've got one last question that I always ask everybody. Yeah, it's called Cliche Corner. Nice. So if you could, nice. Um, I you wouldn't you could have give, expected anything different from you. From me, <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> cliche. What? Um, so yeah, if you could give your younger self um, any advice, mm. what what would it have been?
1: Mm. I know exactly what it'd be. I'm just trying to articulate it right in my head. That's why the silence. That's cool. You can take your time embrace the process embrace the process
0: yeah that's cool yeah okay jack thanks so much for joining us today thank you for having me amazing man thanks so much cheers buddy you've been listening to jack norman on xy with me you and plater thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode and i look forward to welcoming you back next week bye for now